Welcome to the weekly podcast of Soul Purpose Evangelical Church, located in the city of Middletown, New York. Today's message will be brought to you by our senior pastor, Reverend Albert Feliciano Sr. Each week we stream our live recorded services to encourage, build up, and edify our listening audience. Our aim is to share with you the uncompromised and infallible word of the living God. Our prayer is that today's message will draw you closer in your relationship with Jesus Christ. And now, here is Pastor Albert with today's word. Saints of God, I want to direct your attention to the book of Matthew, chapter 15. We're going to read a small portion of scripture, uh, verses 21 through 28. The title of my message this morning is going to be, The Mother of Great faith. Glory to God. Matthew 15, starting at verse 21, and the word of the Lord says, Then Jesus went out from there and departed to the region of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a woman of Canaan came from that region and cried out to him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely demon-possessed. But he answered her, Not a word. And his disciples came and urged him, saying, Send her away, for she cries out after us. But he answered and said, I was not sent except to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And then she came and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. But he answered and said, It is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to little dogs. And she said, Yes, Lord. Yet even the little dogs eat the crumbs, hallelujah, which fall from the master's table. Glory to God. Then Jesus answered and said to her, O woman, great is your faith. Let it be to you as you desire. And her daughter was healed from that very hour. Glory to God. You may take your seats. Let me get my composure here. Hallelujah. Today is Mother's Day. It's a very unusual Mother's Day. So many of our mothers are home today. Some of you are here, and I'm grateful for those that were able to come and spend time in the house of God. But the majority of our mothers are home, and many of you are tuning in this morning. It's true that we can't see your beautiful faces. We can't honor you this morning in the way that we wish Typically, every year we give flowers and gifts, and there's times we take everybody out to lunch. We can't even do that. We have big banquets. We do all types of celebrations, and today we can't even do that. We may not be able to see your beautiful faces, your gorgeous outfits, the flowers in your hair, or your infectious smiles, but we take joy in the fact that while we're live streaming, we can still honor you mothers and women of God. We know that you are being surrounded by your family, by your sons, your daughters, your husband, by those that love you the most on earth, by those that have been given to you by Father God, the gifts from heaven above. I pray that everyone is surrounding their mothers today. For once, honor her more than ever before today. Give her all the love you can. We honor you today. The Bible tells us to honor our mothers 
and our parents, our mothers and fathers. It's the fifth commandment. It is the commandment with promise so that your life will be well with you, so that your days would be expanded in the land of the living. That means long life. Simply by honoring your parents. Some of us may have been wronged by our mothers. Not all mothers, as Brother Allen said, he knows many mothers that have had children, but were not mothers in a sense. In the sense that we would think of a nurturing, loving parent. Some of us have had some battle scars. We may be deeply wounded and deeply hurt. I tell you in the name of Jesus Christ and with the love of God and the mercy of God, forgive your mothers this morning and let it go. Do not harbor bitterness in your heart. Do not harbor the, the anguish, the pain, the suffering. And I'm not trying to minimize what you went through, but I'm telling you today that there is a promise from God when you give them a place of honor. God says he will bless you. God will add to your years. God will add to your blessing and to your favor. Remember that our mothers were given to us by God. God chose your mother, your father, the DNA of both of them to come and, and, and to make your life. Hallelujah. And he breathed the breath of life into your lungs when you entered this world. Understand that we don't get to choose our mother but we can choose to honor our mothers. Forgive them. Move on. Walk in love that covers multitudes of sin. And for those of us that have had honorable, beautiful, wonderful mothers, honor her even more. Hallelujah. Give her even more honor and more respect. I can hear my mother right now, so many corrections and so much. Uh, I see you. I see what you're doing. I see. My mother was Rambo mom. She would literally wear camouflage and, and take my, my boots and be hiding in the woods. And she would see me and turn on the light. Click. And all my friends are like, yo, the police. is like, no, that's my mother. I see you. What a woman of God. She was relentless. She told me from the time I was eight years old, you have a pastor's call on your life. God has set you apart for pastoral ministry. I said, Mom, you're crazy. Mom, you're bugging. You don't know what you're talking about. I'm a musician. I want to play the drums. I want to tour the world. I want to worship God through my instruments. She said, don't get it twisted. And when I was outside on the handball courts and in the park drinking and doing stupid things, the light would come up. She would expose me. It was like the light of God's glory. Shining on me, not letting me forget. And she'd walk me home. Don't you know there's a call of God on your life? What are you doing hanging around with these hoodlums? What are you doing damaging your testimony? You need to preserve the things that God has for you. Mommy, you're crazy. And then she would slap me up a few times for good measure. What I would do to hear that correction today, I would bow my head down in reverence. And after she does whatever she has to do, I would hug her and kiss her and love her up. There's so much disrespect for our parents today. This is kind of sidetracking from the message, but I'm going to tell you the truth. In the Old Testament, disrespectful kids, there was not one. Not one. Because if they were disrespectful, guess what happened? They would be taken outside the town and stoned to death their xbox their cell phone their clothes everything the computer the laptop taken out of the town and rocked to death when a when a parent said go and do this yep reporting for duty sir third year third now we got a generation of disobedient wild and rebellious kids and we got psychologists telling us, don't spank your kids. Sit them in a corner. 
The Bible itself says, spare not the rod or you'll spoil the child. Discipline your sons and daughters for you will surely save them from hell. Uh -huh. yes. the Lord. Kids, can I get an amen up in here? Where are the kids? <laughs> They're like, Pastor, what are you doing, man? You messing up my flow. There's nothing greater than a parent who's going to make sure that you don't end up in a cage, in a prison cell. There's nothing better than a parent who might be a little rough and tough and gruff sometimes. I can tell you the truth. I hate it when my mother yanked my ear. We're going to church. Get up. Get out of bed. Oh, you don't want to go? Okay. Okay. I can tell you right now it was because of that that I stand before you today. Today, I want to speak to you about a really great woman in the Word of God, except this woman is kind of an unknown woman. We don't even have a name. There's no identity. We only know that she was somewhere from uh, uh, the Greek area, Phoenicia. I could have chosen several women. There are so many great women of God throughout the Bible. For example, Jochebed. If I pronounce it correctly, she was the mother of Moses. She literally denied her own self wanting to be with her son and raise him. And she put him in the, the ark and put him in the water. And look at the, great, the gratefulness of God that she ended up becoming his nurse. And she got paid. Hallelujah. She got paid to nurse her child. What a great God. Great story in the word. What about Hannah, who was barren, and they were laughing at her. All the other wives were mocking her. And she said, oh, God, please give me a child. I promise you, if you give me a child, I will give him to you as soon as I wean him off. I will give him to you. He will be for you always, oh, God. The Lord gave her Samuel. And he was the prophet to King David and to, to King Saul as well. He was a mighty prophet of God. And the Lord not only blessed her with one, I believe she had six children after that. Praise God. What about Mary? Wouldn't she be a wonderful person to discuss on Mother's Day? She was the mother of Jesus Christ. She was chosen, set apart by God. She was great among all women of the earth. What qualities did she possess? What did she have that God saw in her? Her heart. She must have been so devoted to the things of God. And you could see right in her words, she said, Be it unto me as you say, O God. I receive it. Whatever your call is, let it be unto me as you say. But today... I want to speak of an unknown mother, a mother, a woman who wasn't even of, of faith. Uh, excuse me, a woman with of great faith, but she wasn't a Christian. This is a woman that knew about God, a woman who persisted, a woman who received the answer to her prayers, a woman who seemingly went through some persecution, some suffering, some trial, some disdain. She went through belittlement, rejection, but yet she remained tenacious and she did not accept the no. And she kept going a little further. This is a woman who wasn't at all religious, but she knew the master. The Bible says that she was a Gentile woman, a Syro-Phoenician woman, again, a Canaanite uh, Canaan was part of Phoenicia, uh, the land of Tyre and Sidon, which was a Greek province. She had a huge, distressing problem, a problem that only could be solved with divine, supernatural attention. How many of us know what I'm talking about? Sometimes we got to go to the only one who is able to do exceedingly and abundantly what we can expect or even hope for. There comes a time where we have to go to God, directly to God, because there's nobody else that can do it. 
Here we find her at the very bottom of the bucket, at the very bottom, in, in the pit of despair. And she's crying out to the Lord, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely demon-possessed. How many mothers... How many mothers are troubled and they're crying out to God for their children? How many mothers spend long hours in prayer praying out to God to restore, to save, to deliver my son, deliver my daughter, deliver my children? Oh God, have mercy. Oh Lord, oh son of David. How many would go through extreme lengths? to get deliverance, to get a cure for their child's ailment. Here we see a woman, a Canaanite woman. She was, a, 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 by, by language and culture, a Greek, but she was a pagan woman, an unbeliever, an outsider, an idol worshiper. But this day, things would be different for her. A change was about to take place. Her greatest problem had to do with her daughter. I'm sure she must have had other problems. I'm sure there were other things, but they all seem small in comparison to this immediate problem that she had with her child. Let me tell you, to an anxious parent, nothing matters to them but their child. Any loving parent will deny themselves and be sure that their child has the best of everything. They would take food out of their own plate, out of their own table to give it to their child. They will take the clothes off their back to make sure that their child was warm, that their child had clothing. This woman had a daughter who was vexed with a demon, with a devil, with a spiritual attack from hell. The most distressing attack uh, uh, any parent could ever have to deal with is that of a demonic invasion on their children. And when a parent sees the devil's attack, they're ready to fight. When a parent sees the devil lurking around, they put up their dukes and they're ready to fight. But how many know our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against spiritual forces of wickedness in high places? We fight in prayer. We fight in fasting and in prayer. That's why Jesus said in Matthew 17, 21, when the disciples tried to cast out certain evil spirits and some of them left, but some of them remained and they go to the Lord and say, why is it that these demons don't want to leave? What are we doing wrong? Jesus reveals this wisdom to them. Oh, wait a minute. This kind of demon only goes out by prayer and fasting. That means he made them known that there are hierarchies. There are different levels of demonic infiltration. And sometimes when you see your child uh, uh, manifesting, when you see your child in rebellion, when you see your child acting out, when your child ain't acting right, ain't living right, ain't speaking right, when your child has an alternative lifestyle, when your child starts to say things that are not of the Lord, guess what? It's time to dig deep and go into the trenches and start fasting and praying. My wife and I, we have uh, our son, and, and when he was a little boy, he was not talking, he was not acting right. We went to the doctors, they gave us medications, and they said, listen, it looks like he's going to be on this for the rest of his life, but you got a, a problem child here, but, but just give him love and, and keep giving him these pills. And we thought we were good parents by giving him medication, but after six months, we said, the devil is a lie. The word of the Lord says that if we pray and fast, we're going to cast this demon out. My wife and I, we fast and prayed for three days and three nights and early the next morning on the fourth on the third morning we went into his room he's a little baby and I anointed his head with oil and I prayed and his little body started shaking and shaking and travailing and he was sound asleep a little baby and we were praying I bind that spirit in the name of Jesus I cast it out and after three days of prayer and fasting our son was delivered he is now in the air force he, he graduated with 
honors, regents diploma, and he's uh, going to school now. He's doing better than ever expected. The word of God is true. And if you fast and if you pray, you can cast the demons out of your own children. So many parents refuse to stand in the gap for their children. There comes a time where you got to fight. There comes a time where you say, hands off, that's my kid. Hands off, Satan. Get thee behind me, Satan. Thank God for the mothers who are ready to go in the trenches. But men of God, and this is a good Father's Day, hallelujah, opportunity. You'll get it on Father's Day. It's time to start praying with your wife. The prayers of the righteous availeth much. Then There's no greater prayer than the prayer of a husband and wife. Start praying with your wife. Especially when it concerns your children. Sometimes we allow the enemy access into our home and into our children's lives unaware. We welcome all kinds of demonic materials, uh, games, Ouija board games and occultic games and movies and music and all kinds of dark things inside our house. And then we wonder why our kids become rebellious and angry and mean-spirited, violent and rageful. We got all kinds of kids now with earbuds and, and, and earphones and they don't even talk. They'll sit at the dinner table like this. And they're talking, you're talking to them, they're going like this. They're not even listening to you. What are they listening to? What are they seeing? What are they involved with? You guys got to get into their world. Start connecting, praise God. God holds us responsible. Sometimes the symptoms are so deep, there's a deeper problem. And the parents themselves may have been the one to introduce to their children those things. Oh, my kid, he wants to play uh, Xbox with me. Can you buy me this game? Sure, son. Here. Here you go. There you go. Without even reading in the back. And then your kid is playing and you hear F-bombs coming out of the TV and, and people being shot in the head. Boom, explosions. And you're, whoa, whoa, what's going on here? This woman knew, even though she wasn't a believer, even though she wasn't a Christian, even though she wasn't a Jew, she knew there was a deeper problem that she had, and it could only be solved by the Lord himself. Amen. Interesting. Think about this. She called out Jesus. She called him out, Lord, 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 have mercy on me. And then she says, Son of David, Lord, have mercy on me. Son of David. Have mercy on me. Here's a Gentile woman recognizing Jesus Christ as the Messiah. Jesus Christ as the Lord of hosts, as the King of kings, as God on earth. Even his disciples were not paying attention. They had no idea what she was talking about. This woman is loony. She's off her meds. She's off her rocker. She's calling this guy, the, the rabbi, Messiah. Can you imagine? How did she know? How did she know? I'm sure there were Jews that walked through her village. I'm sure she had people that she had conversations with. I'm sure she might have been listening at the water cooler at work where the Jews were talking about one day the Messiah will come. She knew about Matthew. She knew Matthew 1.1, 1, 1, the book of genealogy, where it talked about Jesus Christ as being the son of David, the son of Abraham. In Luke 3.31, uh, that verse also attributes Jesus as the son of David. Those are the two genealogies. One is going forward, one is going in reverse, just in case you miss it. How did she know? She concluded, this, ha this has to be the Messiah. He's walking around preaching the truth. He's walking around doing signs and wonders, uh, uh, casting out devils, doing miracles. The blind see, the lame can, can walk, the mute can, can speak, the, the deaf can hear. All these miracles, he has to be from the Lord. In fact, he may be God himself. Jesus has the ultimate power, the ultimate glory, the ultimate 
dominion. He has power over demons. He has power over disease. Everything is subject to him. She also knew that he didn't have to go to her house. She never said, please come to my home and lay hands on my daughter. Please, I need you to walk into this corrupt, this wicked village that I live in and come in into this defiled land. Isn't it funny that we read early that Jesus was walking on the coast? Because it wasn't the custom for the Jews to enter into those cities. He walked on the outskirts. Notice that she didn't say, please enter my city. Come to my house. I'll hook up some rice and beans for you. But just pray for my daughter. Please. Have mercy. All I need from you is to say the word. All I need from you, oh God, is to speak it. If it comes out of your mouth, I know that my daughter will be delivered. How many of us rely on the word of the Lord? Speak the word, it shall be done. She cried out to Jesus, oops, guess what? He didn't say a word. The Bible says, not a word, not a word was uttered at her. I would imagine he didn't even look at her. Jesus, Lord, son of David, have mercy. My daughter is demon-possessed. How many ever felt that? God, are you even there? Are you hearing my prayers? I'm praying and everything's getting worse. Are you listening to me? I'm desperate. Where are you? People would think, man, why was he so cold? That seems pretty cold. Didn't he care? Let me tell you, of course the Lord cares. That's the whole reason why he was walking on earth in the first place. Jesus was trying her faith. Jesus was testing her will. Jesus was challenging her persistence. He allowed her to go through the gamut of emotions. He allowed her to feel the pain. He allowed her to feel rejected. Then what are you going to do? Right. Let me tell you all throughout the word of God, we see the Lord testing his people. Yes. How else can your faith rise up to the next level? How else, how else can you grow in your maturity and the things of God if he doesn't allow you to go through the test? And how, if, how are you going to overcome if you don't go through those things? Hebrew 11.6 it says that without faith, it is impossible to please God. All throughout the scriptures, we see test. James 1.3, it says, Knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. And the next uh, uh, verse, number four, So that you would be mature and complete and not lack anything. We all want to grow in the Lord, but we don't want to go through tests. We all want to go to heaven, but nobody wants to die to get there. We all want the blessing and the favor of God, but we don't want to count the cost. We all want Jesus to be Lord, but we won't surrender under his lordship. You know, you can't have one without the other. Jesus said, this world will hate you because of me, but fear not, I have overcome the world. What about, what about the more tests that we read about? Look at Deuteronomy 8-2, 40 years in the desert. The Bible says they went because they were being tested. God wants to know what was in the heart. First Chronicles 29-17, it says that God tests his people. He tests their heart and he wants to test to see what type of integrity is in there. Exodus 20-20, 20, 20. God says he tests his people in the wilderness. Why? To keep them from sinning. When you're being tested, what are you going to do with the test? Are you going to rise up and say, God, I ain't trying to listen to you right now. I ain't trying. I'm doing it my way. And then you keep wondering what's going on. He tests you so you would not sin. Jeremiah 17, 
For I, the Lord, test the heart, I search the mind, and I give according to their doings. Glory to God. And what does he say in Revelations 22, at the last chapter of the Bible? He says, Behold, I am coming quickly. And what? My reward is with me. Hallelujah. He that endures to the end shall be saved. And one day he will put a crown of righteousness on you, a crown of glory, a crown of rejoicing. Look at it this way. Abraham, considered to be the father of the faith, was required to go through such a sacrifice that I can't even imagine what I would do in that same circumstance. God said, give me your son. Offer him up to me. The son of promise. The son that would be the, the, the heir of blessing. And he says, yeah, that, that son. The only one that you have. The one that your 90-year-old, 100-year-old wife gave. That, that, that son. I want that son. Give him to me. No questions asked. Son, we're going to the, to the wilderness. Gather a pile of sticks. Get the rope. Tie it up. Put it on the donkey. Let's go. I can't even think of that. I don't know what I would say to the Lord. But he did it. And we know the story. The angel of the Lord stopped him and God provided a ram in the bush. God was testing. What are you going to do when I give you this type of test? You want to be the father of the nation? You got to be willing to give it up. All. All of it to me. What about the three Hebrew men? Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego. They refused to bow to another god. And they said to the king, listen, we will not bow. And the king heated up the furnace seven times hotter. He said, listen, it doesn't matter. Our God is able to deliver us from the fire. But even if he doesn't, we're still not going to bow down. Amen. And it was in the fire that the Lord, one like the sun in the morning, one like the son of God, walked in the fire. And not even the smell of smoke was on their clothes. Look at Joseph, a young boy with dreams and visions. He was favored. His father gave him the most beautiful coat. And all the brothers were haters. Be careful who you share your dreams and visions with. Be careful who you're telling what God is doing in your life to. Because there are haters out there. His brothers, they weren't having it. And they threw him in a pit. 13 years in slavery. He was innocent. The Pharaoh's wife made passes at him, and he ran. Gone. He knew, if I stay here, man, I'm going to fall. She's fine. How many of us run from sin? How many of us run from temptation? He knew there was a call on his life. He knew that there was great things in store. Not once do we hear him complaining. Not once. 13 years and in prison in the lowest dungeon. And later on, he is brought before the Pharaoh. After all the things that have gone through him, he was used uh, to deliver a word to the Pharaoh. The Pharaoh put him in charge. And his brothers and his father and his younger brother, they all come back to Egypt. We know the story. Most of us do. But what does he say? Genesis 50 in verse 20, he says, What you meant for evil. God meant it for good. Let me ask you a question. Are you prepared to pass the test this morning? Every one of us, that's a question for us all to ask and answer. Are you prepared to pass the test that God has given you? Are you prepared to be found faithful? Are you prepared to weather the storm, to stick it through, even when it's getting worse, even when they're rejecting you, even when they're mocking you, even when they're ignoring you, even when you don't see hope in sight? Are you going to pass the test? This woman, she went to the Lord and she did not get the response that she was looking for. Silence. So then she goes to the disciples. Maybe they can help. 
And you could tell that she must have been harassing them. Please, somebody help me. Somebody talk to me. Somebody pray with me. Somebody speak the word. You're rolling with Jesus. Aren't you uh, uh, disciples? Aren't you endowed with spiritual authority? Aren't you walking with the Lord? You should be able to say something and deliver my daughter from the wickedness that's in my house. How many of us know the Lord? How many of us knows the Lord? No, I'm not casting out no demons. Call the pastor. Nah, I'm not, I'm not down to pray with you. Uh, call up a brother so-so. Call up sister so-so. Let them do it. Not only did they shoo her away, they now start complaining to Jesus. Go check this out. The disciples start Saying to Jesus, send her away. Send her away. She's crying out after us. She's annoying us. Tell her to go away, Lord. Come on, man. She's an irritant. She's an agitator. She is a thorn in my flesh. Now listen to this. This is where it gets a little more interesting. Jesus now, he's still not talking to the woman. He talks to his disciples. He says, relax. Relax. I wasn't sent, but for the children of Israel. Don't worry about it. I'm not going to deal with this lady right now. Can you imagine? I was sent to the lost sheep of Israel. Now, what Jesus was saying was true. I want to just point that out. Salvation didn't come at first to the Gentiles. Salvation started with the Jews. It's true. But in order for salvation to come to the Gentiles, the Jews first had to reject the Messiah. Hallelujah. And God knew that they would reject the Messiah. And he spoke about it through the prophet Daniel. Praise God. He talked about 490 weeks. Each one of those weeks represented a year. And we know in scripture, after, four, after 300 yeah, 400 and, and uh, excuse me, on the, the 83rd week, yes, 480, uh, the 83rd week, there was a stop in the, in the clock. There was a stop in the prophetic calendar. Do you know why? So that the age of the Gentiles would come in. That is the age called the church age. And that is the age where we now are engrafted into the Abrahamic covenant of God. And, and God said it in Romans 11.25. Romans 11.25. For I do not desire, brethren, that you should be ignorant of this mystery, lest you should be wise in your own opinion, that blindness in part has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles have come in. So think of it. They are the root but we are engrafted. We can't exist without them. The church does not exist without the Jewish brothers, without Israel. That's why there's a blessing when we pray for the people of Israel, for the chosen nation of God. It was God himself who has blinded their eyes to the truth because he loves them and he loves you and me. And he has engrafted us all into the, the promise of God. And we know that at the end, at the end of the church age, there would be a rapture. You could see the timeline. And at the rapture, at the church, when the church is brought up and caught up in the clouds, then the prophetic calendar will begin again. And those last seven years of the 490 weeks will be known as the tribulation and the great tribulation. Praise God. We know that salvation came, but it was first offered to the Jews, to the Israelites. And Jesus even gave us an insight in one of his parables. Remember the great banquet. Remember the parable in Luke chapter 14, where he says, I am inviting all the distinguished guests, all the chosen guests, to my table, to my celebration. And what happens? All of the chosen began to come up with excuses. Well, uh, uh, I just brought some oxen and I got to test them out. Uh, it's a little dark. I, I can't go out. I don't go out at night. Uh, I just got married and, and I want to consummate my marriage. They all came up with excuses. 
And the master said, you know what? Then go out and find the lame and the crippled, the brokenhearted, the wounded, the poor, the needy. Get them all and have them come to my table. And the servants gathered. And then they came back to the master and said, Lord, there's room for even more. And he goes, well, then go out to the highways and the byways and bring everyone to my table. Glory to God. Jesus was giving us insight to the love of the Father. There's still room. And he says, compel them to come that my house may be full. Amen. Glory to God. Amen. So here we go back to this woman. You would think after all that rejection that she would get the message. You would think that after everything she's been told by being ignored by the Lord, by being ignored by the disciples and even told, go away, leave us alone. You would think she got the message, but that's not what a desperate mother would do when her kid is being demonically assaulted by a devil. She knew there was no other person that could set her daughter free. She would not settle for the no. She believed that Jesus was the answer. I wasn't going to miss the opportunity. I'm going to stick it through no matter what anybody thinks about me right now. Amen. She went back to the Lord. Blessed are the mothers who know where to go when they need their problems resolved. Blessed are the mothers who know how to go back to the Lord. Blessed are the mothers who travail for their children when they're in great distress. I stand before you today like I said earlier because of the prayers, the travail of my own mother who prayed me right into the kingdom of God, who prayed my behind right here at this altar right now. And I know that she wasn't alive on earth to see it, but she's in the clouds of glory according to uh, uh, Hebrews 12. She's in the cloud of witnesses and from there she's shouting, Predica! 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 Many of you have heard this testimony before, but I know she's seeing. That means preach, preach, preach. She believed everything about the Lord Jesus. She believed he was the Messiah. She even recognized him by calling him the son of David. She believed in his deity and his lordship. She believed in his divine power. She believed that he would be the only one that could answer her prayers. And even though there was huge obstacles that she had to overcome, she did overcome. Even with zero acknowledgement, even when the disciples shooed her away, did she quit? No. She refused to go back home. She says, if I go back home now, I'm going to go back to a demon-possessed daughter. So I'm going to weather the storm. I'm going to endure the trial, endure the hardship, and I'm going to persist until I get my answer. And this time she goes to the Lord. She bows down and worships the Lord. Oh, Lord. Now she internalizes the problem. It is no longer my daughter is sick with a demon. My daughter is going through a problem. Now she says, Lord, help me. Lord, help me. Lord, help me. Acts 2.21, it says that all that call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Praise God. Lord, help me. You're the only one that can do it. Through the rejection, discouragement, dismissal, she pushes forward. Lord, help me. I don't care what everybody else is thinking. I don't care how stupid I look right now. I don't care what people think about me. Lord, help me. She made her daughter's problem her own. I need your help. I need you to deliver us. I need you to deliver me. She made herself the one to be miserably afflicted, uh, affected and tormented by this demon that tormented her daughter. She knew that if the Lord would deliver her daughter, that she too would be delivered. And then she gets probably the most disheartening the most cold, it sounds cold-blooded, it sounds evil-spirited, it sounds horrible. Jesus looks at her 
And he says to her, Woman, it is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs. I've been asked this question by several people. What do you think Jesus meant? This sounds to me to be the most cruel, heartless, the most painful thing to say to someone in distress. Why did he choose those words? It's so cruel. Come on, Jesus, get it together. Why would you say those words? You ever feel that way? Where you go to God and he gives you an answer you're not prepared to hear? How do you handle that answer? Do you fight? Do you complain? Wah, wah. I go to Jesus and all he tells me is get it together. I go to church and all the pastors are get it together, man up. That's all he tells me. Or the pastor, come on, man, get it together, man. Gird up thy loins, man. I can't, I can't, you know, what's going on? You ever get there? You ever get to that place? And listen, the disciples, check this out, the disciples, I'm sure they heard that answer. Word. He told her. He done told her. Ouch and amen. I hope you heard that. She got served. She needs some milk. I'm trying to get corny here. That's a internet thing. She got served. The Gentiles knew the disdain that the Jews had for them. The Gentiles knew that they were sinners. They were ignorant to God's word. They had contempt for God. They were idolaters. They were impure. They, the woman knew that Jesus was saying the very things that everyone has been saying to her her whole life. Now she's getting the same words of disdain and dis disregard and scorn from the Lord himself. They knew that the, the Jews would call the Phoenicians and Samaritans dogs. And listen, it's not much different today. The Jews called Gentiles goyim. You ever heard the word goyim? Goyim is not a really good word for us. Uh, they try to camouflage it by saying goyim means a new, a new nation, a different nation a different group of people. But the reality is that a goyim to them is like cattle, like a wild beast, like a pig. Unclean animals. Here she is, called a little dog at the table. And despite it all, look at her response to the Lord. Yes, Lord. What you're saying is true. I'm all those things. But yet even the little dogs eat crumbs which fall from the master's table. She acknowledged his lordship. She acknowledged his deity, his supreme rule, his power. She was saying, Jesus, you're God on earth. You're the Messiah. There's nowhere else to go. You're the one that provides for the lilies of the valley, for the beast of the field, for the birds of the air, for the fish in the sea. You're the only one. Where else can I go? You want to call me a dog? A dog? That's fine. But even dogs need to eat. And you provide for the little dogs too. I'm not asking for a big bone. I just need a crumb. If you throw a little crumb, I'll take it. If you give me just this much, I'll take it because that's all I need. Just give me a crumb. How many of us would be satisfied with a crumb? Lord, just give me a crumb. I believe that even a crumb is enough to rise my daughter from her bed of affliction. A crumb will set her free. This is the kind of mustard seed faith that the church needs. Yes, I don't need all these big things. Just give me a little bit. I could do so much with that. Yes. We know when the word says, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you could tell this mountain to go and throw itself in the sea and it shall obey you. And with this type of faith, Lord, even little dogs eat crumbs from the master's table. 
Hook me up. Throw me a little scrap. Give me anything. Throw a crumb. I'll grab it. Throw me anything. What does the Lord do? Now he breaks his silence. The testing is over. Hallelujah. The test is now complete. She had weathered the storm and she passed. And he looks at her and says, Oh, woman, great is thy faith. Let it be unto you as you desire. How many of us are ready to hold on to the end of the storm? Sometimes it's not going your way. Sometimes things don't look good. You even have to deal with insults and ridicule. You might have to deal with loss, but hold on. Praise God. God is going to answer your prayer. He is faithful and just. God is moved by the faith of his people. Remember the centurion soldier, another pagan, another non-believer. But even the centurion in Matthew chapter 8, he said, Lord, I'm not worthy that you should come under my roof, but only speak the word and my servant will be healed. And that's all it took. And when Jesus heard it, he marveled and said to all of those who followed him, Assuredly, I say to you, I have not found such great faith in all of Israel. And he said that in front of his disciples and in front of the Pharisees as well. You see, people of God, faith moves the heart of God. It is impossible to please the Lord without faith. Faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things unseen. And when you operate in faith without deeds, your faith is dead. But when you operate in faith, you put into motion the things that you believe in and you honor God because you're trusting him in his word. And when you trust the Lord, he says, those that put their faith in me, they will not be put asunder or ashamed. Hallelujah. Great is thy faith were the words that Jesus spoke to her. How sweet it must have been for her to hear those words. Amen. Listen to this, mothers. It was sweeter than Jesus saying, Great is thy beauty. Uh-huh. It was better than Jesus saying, Great is thy hairstyle. <laughs> Great is thy beautiful Mother's Day dress. Great is thy professional success. Great is thy vehicle. Great is thy home. Great is thy boat. Great is thy jewelry. None of that mattered to a hurting mom. Her faith in Jesus, her persistence in trial resulted in the answer to her prayer. And the words were released from the mouth of the Lord himself. And behold, her daughter was healed that very hour. Saints of God, we don't know if this woman that we're talking about was a beautiful woman. We don't know if she was rich. We don't know if she was a widow. We don't know if she was educated, but we can see her inner beauty. I'm coming to a close. I have a couple of illustrations. There's once, I was told once of a woman who was so beautiful that she could stop traffic, literally. And there's a certain man that was mesmerized and captivated by her. And he said to himself, I've got to get to know this woman. She's the bomb.com. She's banging. And he went towards her and introduced himself. And the woman looked at him and replied, yo, what's up, dog? Her apparent beauty evaporated as soon as she opened up her mouth. Let me talk to you about a geode. A geode is a hollow rock with beautiful crystals inside. They are formed when a high mineral water flows through these hollow rocks. The minerals get stuck in there and the water continues to flow over it. And as the water flows, the more beautiful the crystals inside become. And over time, this rock gets bigger and bigger. And the crystals on the inside are more beautiful and more illustrious. Women of God, allow the Lord to flow over you this morning. In you, through you, no matter what. You may be getting older, 
you may be thinking, man, there's some wrinkles showing up now. Gravity is taking effect. But I tell you the truth, you are still beautiful. You might have picked up a few pounds over this quarantine time. I know I did. Hallelujah. But you're still beautiful. You may have plenty of gray hairs this morning. Some of you haven't been able to get to the salon. Some of you, your nails are jacked up. Everything is going wrong today. But I tell you, you're beautiful through and through. What I would do to kiss my mom today. For those that have their mothers, make sure you lavish her with love today. Don't be discouraged, women of God. Don't be dismayed. Even when things don't seem to be going your way, you are priceless, a priceless treasure to the Lord God. And your inner beauty is so beautiful that people can't even handle how beautiful it is. The Bible says you are more precious than rubies. God is hearing your prayers. He's seeing your struggles. And he honors you today. And so do we. Being a mom is a great sacrifice. It's like being a superhero with superpowers. My wife can be on the phone. She could be cooking dinner, cleaning the house, and watching TV, listening to the TV, and praying for people all at the same time. Like, I don't, I don't know how she does it. Mothers seem to have eyes in the back of their head. They know when we've done something wrong. Mothers seem to have friends all over the neighborhood that drop dime on us. And then they come back and says, a little birdie told me that you were doing something. I always thought little birds spoke to my mom. They know when to scold, but they also know when to hug and when to nurture and when to kiss. When to go into their purse and whip out $20 for you. The Bible holds the role of motherhood in high esteem. And so should we. Remember the commandment. The only one with a promise. Mothers deserve honor. Regardless of whether you think they deserve it or not. Regardless if they've been good or bad. It's easy to honor a mom who has given all for her children. It's just not so easy to give honor to a mother who hasn't. But honoring your parents is not up to them, but it's up to you. God's way is to give them a place of honor no matter what, so that your life will be well and long-lasting for you. Today, let us honor our mothers. Honor them in life and not just in death. They have made ultimate sacrifices for you. They have given up their life so that you could be well off. They have sought God on your behalf. Many nights they have not eaten so that you could. They have lost sleep. They have lost work. They have lost all kinds of things for you to care for you, especially throughout the night. Countless prayers were made for you to succeed in life, to be protected, to live well, and to be honored and respected and self-sufficient. They've given their time, their talent, their money, their love without condition without pay, without exception, without disclaimers, and even without retirement to promote your comfort and well-being. Honoring the memory of a mother is admirable, but honoring them while they're alive is priceless. You will be blessed by God. This woman of great faith went to Jesus with her problems went to Jesus in despair and distraught. She relentlessly chased after God on her daughter's behalf. And because of her great faith, not only was her daughter healed and delivered, but so was she. Imagine what you could accomplish if you place your faith and trust in a loving God. Happy Mother's Day, and God bless you this morning. Hallelujah. Glory to God. We are so grateful to God for allowing us the opportunity to share this message with you. Thank you for listening. We want you to know that you are all in our constant prayers. If you've been blessed by today's program, why not consider partnering with us? To make a donation is easy. You can visit us online at www.specchurch.net or you can call us at 
956-0133. Once again, that's www.specchurch.net or 845-956-0133. We invite you to worship with us one Sunday morning soon. Thank you again for your prayers and support. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. God bless you.